it is always, always, always a joy to come to the house of God and rejoice with His people, rejoice with His children when we respond to heaven's invitation to come and acknowledge, acknowledge Him, our Creator, our Redeemer. Today, we're going to have a shorter version of our message because we're going to be privileged to participate of the emblems that Jesus invited us to partake in remembrance of Him. We're going to start today where we ended last time. And it's a thought. It's the thought that we find in the Review and Herald of June 4th of 1895. And it says, The righteousness by which we are justified is imputed. So we cannot claim any credit for what God does when He justifies you and He justifies me. God declares you and me just. It's imputed, is given to us, is the act of God to declare you just. And we say, Lord, Thank you. I know I'm not just. I know I'm not just. But you and your infinite mercy because of Christ's love for me and for your children, he is imputed and now have put into my account Christ's perfect life of obedience because the same requirement that Adam have is exactly the same requirement we have today. In order to be part of God's family, And guess what? Adam did not have an inclination to sin. You and I have. God knows that you and I on our own. Doesn't matter how many years we've walked in the church. What our profession of faith is. We cannot do this on our own. So he does something for you and for me. He declares you and I just. But he doesn't stop there. That's the beauty of the gospel. He doesn't stop there. The righteousness by which we are sanctified is imparted. And again, God entering in action, participating as the potter. We are the clay. God is the one forming He's the potter. He's forming you. He's sanctifying you. And it's always Him in action. Imparting His righteousness. I mean, imputing to you and me His righteousness. The righteousness of Christ. And now imparting us every day. This process of how He's transforming your life and mine. The first is our title to heaven. The imputed righteousness of Christ. And the second, sanctification. Righteousness, sanctification is our fitness to heaven. How do you get fit for heaven? Have you thought of this? How do we get fit for heaven? Since it's not something we produce of our own. It's imparted to us. I mean, yes, it's imparted to us on a daily basis. And you play a role and I play a role in We want to think of that as the number one thought today. And then we're going to go to the second thought. We're going to focus on two principles today of righteousness by faith. 
the process of the sanctification. How does that work? How does that play? And number two, how the Holy Spirit is the agent, the divine person involved directly in your and in mine sanctification. We remember that something was not going right with the people, the remnant of God, right like from the beginning. And when I say from the beginning, I'm not speaking of 1844 or 1863, but come 1888, God wanted to do something very special among God's people and finish the preaching of the gospel into the whole world and come and take his children home. That was God's intent. And I say, Pastor, I have never read that in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. But this is what he had intended. This is what he had planned. He wanted, starting there, when he sent a special special message to his people, in that General Conference Congress of 1888 in Minneapolis, he wanted to equip, enlighten his people to go out and fill the whole earth with the light prophesy in Revelation chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. This was his intent. But there was a problem. And we spoke of the problem before. We're just reviewing. Many had lost sight of Jesus. And you say, how could that be? These are the pioneers. These are the ones who were proclaiming Jesus is coming again. Two decades ago, most of them were alive. Not all, but most of them were alive. These pioneers were declaring Jesus is coming again. Be ready. If you go and you look in the records of the IRS... Never in history, people were so faithful returning their taxes. People sold their properties. They went to the store where they sell cloth and they bought white cloth and made garments. Somehow they managed to get to the roof of their house on a hill because Jesus was coming and they were going home. They believed that with their whole heart. But as time went on, Many had lost sight of Jesus. How could that be? They needed to have their eyes directed to his divine person, his merits, and his changeless love for the human family. All power is given unto his hands, Jesus, that he may dispense rich gift unto man, imparting the priceless gift Of his own righteousness. God wanted to say brethren. This is the message. That is going to equip you. To go out of this place. And through the Holy Spirit. You will prepare the world. For Jesus second coming. As we know. The editor of the review and herald. Uriah Smith. Pastor Butler, the president of the General Conference, and many others rejected the message. They did not believe 
that that was not the message for that hour. We needed to focus on the commandments of God. We needed to bring people's attention to the fourth commandment, the Sabbath. Not bad of in itself. Actually, it's great and it's good. But they had lost sight of the Lord of the Sabbath, of the lawgiver. It was a tragedy. Our denomination had become so doctrinally focused, or in today's language, I don't know if that phrase existed then in the 1800s, so doctrinally corrected. Not so much politically, but doctrinally corrected. so doctrinally focused that Jesus had been lost in their experience and in their teachings. And today, I stand before you guilty as charged as those pioneers. I wish I could say less of you. But we're in the same boat. And that's why I believe God is sending again. Like he so graciously graciously did in the past. This special message to me and to you. Because if you get this right. He will be able to prepare you and me. To inherit the eternal kingdom of heaven. It's just that simple. If we understand the message of righteousness by faith, which is righteousness of justification, it's imputed to us, is righteousness of sanctification, it's imparted to us. How do we live the Christian life? My beloved brethren, this is the message that God commanded to be given to the world. It was exactly the same message that the disciples were preaching when Christ had resurrected and he ascended to heaven. They, it was all about the cross and his resurrection. Their message did not change. It was focused on Jesus, his death, his resurrection, and that he would come back again. And again, we know from the same source This is the message that God commended to be given to the world. It is the third angel's message which is to be be proclaimed with a loud voice and attendeth with an outpouring of the Spirit in a large measure. If we understand this and the Holy Spirit seals it in your mind, your life, my life, can never be the same again. Because we know what the message is. We know what the message is. The message is God's love for the sinner. And what he made possible, what he made available to each sinner in the church and outside the church to be saved. And now through the process of sanctification, the imparted righteousness of Christ, now he enables you and me to live a victorious life Baptized, anointed with the Holy Spirit. I cannot thank God enough for this experience. It's not a theory. It's an experience that every believer must 
have on their own. So how do you do this? How can any pastor do this? We know the answer. No pastor can. Only the Holy Spirit can give you this. So please understand my role, my function here with you today. It is limited to entice you, to encourage you, to call upon you. Go and look in the Word of God. Dig in the Word of God. Go back on the books, the red books, the magazines, online, whichever way you want to go, and study the message of 1888. That message did not begin there. It did not begin in the 16th century when Martin Luther, on his knees, walking in what was believed to be the same steps that Christ used there in Jerusalem, and he's walking on those, thinking that by his sacrifice, by going on his knees, God is going to accept him. And then it just hit him like a ton of bricks on his head. The just shall live by faith. What am I doing here? I'm walking, earning God's favor. Can you do that? No. He walks, he runs down, as a matter of fact, those steps. And the Reformation began. It began in a way that we have an idea. Righteousness by faith. But it goes further back. Our brother Luke just read for us from Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. Especially there when it mentions, Because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification. And the final portion of our meditation this morning, beloved, has to do more with how God is going to do that. Before we transition to that, when the earth is lightened with the glory of God, we shall see a work similar to that which was wrought when the disciples, filled with the Holy Spirit, proclaimed the power of a risen Savior. God is going to give this church. I don't, I can't logically explain how God is going to do this in me or with you. But He's going to use His people. His church, His remnant church here, as needed as we are of this experience, to do, but in a greater way, with a loud voice, with a loud cry, the final proclamation of the third angel's message. It's so simple, and yet so great. Christ is to be presented to the world as both a sin-pardoning Savior and sin-delivering Savior. You see, when the gospel is focused only on Jesus, love me, this I know, but is not presented Jesus as the one who can give you victory over sin, then it's not the gospel at all. People think that because we are sinner, we're supposed to sin. And... It is, sadly, the tragedy going on that you don't have to worry. When I was saved 10, 12, 15, 40 years ago, 
the situation was taken care of. It's, it's all taken care of. And we do realize that sinful nature that we cannot control, of which we spoke this week, this past week, only has one remedy. That one remedy is the sin-delivering Savior, Jesus Christ. And when that message is understood, presented, and proclaimed, we will see the large manifestation of what God is going to do among His people. I rejoice that that message tells me lessons on faith page 129 in Christ the battle has been fought on every point and the victory has been made complete he was made flesh itself the same flesh and blood as those whom he came to redeem. And now he wants to not only impart, impute, but impart this victory to you. Thus every soul in this world can truly say in perfect triumph of Christian faith, I am crucified with Christ. My old sinful human nature is crucified with him that this body of sin might be destroyed that henceforth I should not serve sin. Period. And there is the way to the Christian perfection. There it is. It is the way of crucifixion unto destruction of the body of sin, unto the freedom from sinning, unto the service of righteousness, unto holiness, unto perfection in Jesus Christ by the Holy Ghost. You see, there is no claim that we can have, I'm going to be sin free, I'm going to be holy to the God, just because I purpose so. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Yes, Jesus Christ by the Holy Ghost in you unto everlasting life. This is part of what sanctification is all about. My friends, when we speak about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is for that. And that's going to be our next message. The dragon or the Pope in me. And you say, Pastor, okay, you're confusing me here now. If you could just wait until next time that we come together, we will understand. It's not something I made up. It's not here just to get your attention. But it is to say that through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that too will go away. This week, I received a call. That inspire me to share with you what I'm going to say before we separate. A beloved child of God. 
child of God, was at communion waiting for someone to approach and ask, can I wash my feet with you and you with me? Not everybody is extroverted, outgoing. Would you please be today that instrument of God to someone that you see it's by him or herself and no one has approached? It's so easy for me to ask my wife or my daughter, she's my wife, to wash her feet and she washed my feet. That's the easiest thing in the world most of the time. It's only when I have not allowed Jesus to govern me that it's really difficult. It's easy to find a friend. Hey, can I wash my feet with you? We know each other. But have you tried washing the feet of someone you have never washed his or her feet? Only Jesus can empower you to do so. Number one and number two. Make sure that around you, even if you wash your feet with someone, make sure there's no one there trying to figure out who do I approach. You approach him or her in the different places that we know already. I believe this section here will be for, and this is where you need to help me remember, for our, the ladies, okay? But it's some special child ladies of God, okay? Then in the pastoral office, we would have there who? Some men, okay? Men that might need some help. Is that as correct? Make sure that there is no man that is left out without help, the assistance. Downstairs in the school room is going to be the larger group of, of the women, the ladies. And then in the fellowship hall, I believe, front of the kitchen or by the kitchen there, there's going to be the men. And where does some of the husbands and wives meet. Okay, on the other side, some husbands and some wives find it a special joy to reaffirm their union in Christ and to serve one another. Please bow your heads with me as we pray. Dear Father, I cannot produce holiness or sanctification. You do. And I thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit. And I'm asking for this undeserved miracle in my life. I pray that every one of my brothers and sisters in Jesus just now will experience you very close to them through the baptism of your Holy Spirit. And my friends and sisters that have come today with a cry in their hearts for Jesus and his righteousness, may they see Jesus in the face, in the smile, 
in the hand that reaches out to them and say, brother, sister, can I wash my feet with you? May they see Jesus now. In his name we pray. Amen. We will proceed. The word of the Lord tells us, For I received from God that which I also delivered to you, spoke the Apostle Paul, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. For... This is something you ought to do in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As you remain in your seats, the deacons, the elders, we will kneel as Brother Don will ask the Lord to bless this bread, symbol of the body of Christ, that it was broken for my sins. Father in heaven, we come together as a congregation in awesome wonder of mm-hmm. you and all that you have provided for each of us. And we pray that each of us will have the wisdom to understand and the wisdom to accept and follow you. Amen. As we partake in the bread as a symbol of his broken body, his broken bones on that cross in which he suffered the terrible death that he did so that each of us may have life. We pray that we will accept and follow that we will be able to go home with you when you come. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
we serve him first. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Let us all participate now. Amen. In like manner, the deacons and the elders, we will kneel as Brother Gary asked the Lord to bless the grape juice, the fruit of the vine. Let us bow our heads as we pray. Dear Lord, as we wait and hope for the day that we can spend eternity with you, Amen. we cannot comprehend what it took to get us to that point. We know, Lord, that it was through a sacrifice that we will spend eternity trying to understand just the magnitude of that sacrifice and the depth of your love that we are so grateful for. It is that death, Father, of your Son, Jesus, that shed the blood, that will wash us clean in our soul. It is beyond our understanding, dear Lord, and beyond our, our words to be able to, to thank you and, and give back anything that matches what that means to us. It is only by that, Lord, that we have any chance at all to be able to spend that eternity with you. And may we use that our choices wisely as we choose you to be our Savior, Amen. our leader, yes. and the commander in our hearts and our lives. Yes. And without you, God, we are nothing. And how precious it is to have a father like you. Amen. Thank you for your son, Jesus, and all that his sacrifice comprises. May we walk with that and spend at least the Sabbath day beholding what it is that you did for us. And we ask that you put your blessing now in our hearts and our minds as we think about the symbol that we have here of your shed blood. Yes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
was just crossing my mind that when we went to the constituency meeting, one of the churches here in the Wisconsin Conference donated their communion service set as a gift to where some of our church members are going for a mission trip in the Dominican Republic just to take it and present it to them as a gift. And that was very nice. I was just thinking of that at this moment. And what a blessing when the Lord moves in our hearts to bless others people's lives with our influence, what He uh, impresses on us to do. The Word of God tells us Matthew chapter 26, verse 27 through 28. Then He took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remissions of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Did you notice? With you. It's very personal for Jesus. He wants to participate with this with you. With me. Let us all partake now. Lord, we have given a deep, closer look to your infinite love for every one of us here today by following Jesus' instructions, by contemplating your infinite love for us. What a sacrifice of love. It compels us. It inspires us to Imitate, to follow in the footprints of Jesus. And Lord, today I thank you for my brother Bocart, my brother Bill, my brother John, brother Rick, brother Gary, brother Don. And I'm not going to mention everyone by name of the congregation, but they were also willing to, to serve today one another. And may this serving experience just grow greater, deeper, and more loving as the days go by. May, in the circle of the family, may, at work, may it be wherever we are that people will see Jesus in His disciples represented here now. That's going to be a miracle. And we're just asking that, Father, through Jesus. And because you can do it, we know we can't.
but you do. That is exactly what we're humbly asking right now. Take us completely. Become the Lord our righteousness. We ask these mercies in Jesus' most holy name. Amen.